And so if you want to start bringing value to your community, that's very rich in content, you're going to have to start using something like a Kajabi to have your blogs in place, to have your courses in place. And that's where your community will be able to go back and you know consume that content at a later at a later date. Web3 just isn't doing that today. So to me, I think that's where people that are focused on content creation and know content creation that works, I think can have a lot to offer in the Web3 space. Welcome to Screw It, Just Do It, the number one ranked entrepreneurship podcast for business owners, entrepreneurs, and those aspiring to be so. The aim of this show is to showcase the world's most inspiring and interesting people who've decided to screw it, just do it. We offer 20% inspiration and 80% education, giving you the tools and advice to start, grow, and scale a successful business. I'm your host, Alex Chisnell, fellow entrepreneur, podcast agency owner with a number one podcast and startup advisor to global startup generator and early stage VC, Antler. Each week, I release two episodes, a Q&A every Wednesday with one of the world's most inspiring figures, plus a solo episode every Saturday where I cover the challenges that all of us are facing as entrepreneurs. So welcome to another episode of Screw It, Just Do It with me, Alex, and my very special guest this week, Anthony Mongiello. Anthony is the CEO and co-founder of the Bulls and Apes Project, is an operations and technology leader with nearly 20 years experience driving broad culture change, sharp business intelligence, strategic transformation programs, and technology road mapping. Today, Anthony is transforming the NFT industry with a generative 3D NFT project, Bulls and Apes Project. And Anthony's here to set a new standard for what NFT collections should expect and demand. How are you, Alex? Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's been an amazing journey so far. Um, pleasure. It's fun to be in the NFT space, that's for sure. Very different than my corporate career. Yeah, well, kind of diving straight into that, you work with, you know, some big blue chip companies there, Schroeder's, General Electric, AXA. What motivated you to want to launch this NFT project in the first place? Yeah, sure. So I just started as a collector, just somebody who was curious. I heard about NFTs. It seemed like the next wave. It seemed like something that I wanted to get involved in. And so I bought my first NFT, not really knowing what to expect, you know, did the research. There's a lot of obstacles to overcome to actually purchasing an NFT. It's not quite as simple as pulling out your credit card and just making the purchase, which was a bit of a surprise for me, but I was determined to get involved. So I got over that hump. And then when I got there, I was just blown away by some of the community and collaboration aspects of the NFT space of Web3 in general. And that really just sucked me in. And I just knew that I had to get more involved. So I was just old school, raising my hand, offering up my services, volunteering my time on weekends and nights. And one of the things that I saw was that a lot of the potential of the NFT space was being clouded by a lack of experience on the business side. It was being clouded on cash grabs and people trying to take advantage of others. And that's really what compelled myself and the other two co-founders to really come together. And we met in one of the projects that we were involved in. And we said, you know, we can do better. We think we can do better. And I'm not an entrepreneur at heart, right? I'm a corporate guy. This was a big leap for me, but I felt that strongly about the potential of the Web3 space. And I felt that strongly that I had something to offer. All of my corporate experience, I thought could bring a lot of value to the space. So not only do we want to create a really kick-ass project, but we also wanted to help lead by example and set a standard of what it could be to run an NFT project. And your co-founders, did you guys know each other beforehand or did you kind of come together in the new space? So Manny and Guy 
they worked with each other. They had a massive exit from a third-party seller, Amazon third-party seller software as a service company called Helium 10. So they co-founded that company. They exited, really successful story. So they knew each other. I met Manny in another NFT project, and we were just both community leaders in that project, really trying to help steer the project in the right way. And we just started talking through that, and he introduced me to Guy. And you know that's when we started putting our heads together about what an NFT project might look like if we started one. Okay. And what excites you the most about the space right now that made you want to dive in at this time? So there's just a breakdown in the barrier between a company or a founding team or a project and the audience, the consumer, the holder, the community. The barrier has been broken down there, which means that it's both frightening from a leadership perspective because there's full transparency and you've got you've got direct feedback from your your community but it's also exhilarating because you do have that direct feedback and you're able to go through the cycle really really quickly and if you're authentic and you're genuine in what you're trying to trying to build the the the, the, the transparency and the barrier being broken down shouldn't be an issue and it's not for us we love it we love having that connection to the community and i think that that is tremendously powerful it reminds me of running a shop on main street you know in your local little neighborhood you've got your family and friends coming in they're telling you how to run your business but they're loyal they'll always come back mm. and so i feel like the nft space has that opportunity to really establish these really tight-knit loyal brands and that's really what brought me in interesting so i'm going to come back to that question actually because i'm really interested in the community aspecting part and also you know from a brand perspective Perspective and also from content creators perspective as well. But I wanted to ask you, first of all, has the market reacted to the global economic uncertainty? As you said, you're a corporate guy, you've worked with some of these big companies, so you're going to be fully aware of what's going on in space as well. And, you know, the UK, we've We've seen one week after another after another, and now you know Prime Minister resigning as well is going to create more uncertainty in the economic market. We've seen it in the crypto markets as well. So yeah, interested to know, you know, from your perspective, have the markets started yet with regards to any uncertainty there, or do you think the community is so strong that people's belief is so strong that it can kind of outride any of this? Yeah. So there's a core community where the conviction is just through the roof, and there's right. there's Super high conviction. I mean, people, they'll go down with the ship for sure. I'm talking about the broader NFT space. But what happened over the past 12 months is the explosion of value in the NFT space brought in a lot of more casual people that were looking to, you know, get rich quick, you know, make a quick buck, mm. a lot of flipping and speculating. And now with the with the bear market that's in place, and you know, we do think it's it's well established bear market for, for what I'm seeing, it's done some interesting things. Whereas on one hand, yeah, of course you're not going to get the hype the way you used to, that heavy speculation and a hundred Xing. So which was probably unrealistic to begin with. It wasn't really sustainable. So for for real builders like ourselves, we think it's a blessing in disguise because what's going to happen now is the get rich quickers are going to get scared away because they're not going to be able to get rich quick. The projects that we're trying to take advantage of that aren't going to sustain because they don't have real plans other than hype and speculation. What it's going to do then is going to consolidate to the projects that are really building. And now when real people come in educated, because now they've seen some of the issues, they're going to come in looking for real value and projects that are delivering real value. And we believe that in three, four, five, six months from now, it'll be a project like ours that people come in and say, oh, wow, they've been building for the past six months and there's actually really tangible value there. Um, we're going to get involved in that. And that makes total sense from your perspective and from the global perspective, really, for those, you know, as you say, who are looking at it as a get rich quick scheme 
he can get rid of those people. He can kind of filter the, the wheat from the chaff, etc. So tell me, Antti, how do you go about building trust and educating people about the risks involved, especially in, in light of, you know, the roller coaster ride of cryptocurrencies over the last, you know, 12, 18 months, etc.? Yeah, you use the word trust and that's the key. And trust takes time. And so it's not an overnight thing. One of the things that we were not surprised by, but we thought with our business experience that we would launch a project in January, February, and it would be recognized automatically that, wow, these guys are special. They've got all this business experience. And the truth of the matter is because of all the cash grabs and the scams that were there, there was a lot of too good to be true thought process. Okay. And so for us, we really had to hop on Twitter spaces. We met people at real life events like conferences shaking hands, telling our story, having the humility to get ridiculed, but still come back and answer the questions with a smile. And so we worked through that process and it was truly organic where you're building the snowball and it gets a little bigger, a little bigger, then you get some supporters on and then they speak on your behalf. So really, it was really just word of mouth. It was being consistent with your messaging is being authentic. I mean, when you're authentic and you're genuine, it's easy yeah. to be consistent. And so for us, we spoke for the, from the heart. We admitted mistakes when there were mistakes. We asked for help when we needed to ask for help. And we continue to do that. And that's been our approach. And it's worked. It's not rocket science. You can't put that formula to work overnight. You know, it takes mm -hmm. time and you got to be in it for the long run. And I know just from a personal perspective, I run podcast agency and say two and a half, three years ago, at least in the UK, you had to explain to people what a podcast was. Come out the other side of a pandemic, everybody knows what a yeah. podcast is now. So interested to know from your point of view, then have you had to go about dispelling you know, myths around, for example, that NFTs don't have any real value and having to constantly explain actually what an NFT is. And do you liken it to maybe a, some kind of collectible item that people can kind of get their head around that, the concept of it and dispel some of those myths? I have, absolutely. I'm happy to have those conversations because part of our mission is to onboard people. And that happens through trust and education, which were two things that you mentioned. And so the education piece is important to us. And everybody connects with it in a different way. And I think one of the things that I try to do is I try to provide a couple of different examples of why NFTs are popular and how people could look at NFTs as value. And one thing is the art and the speculation or collectible aspects of it, but that's just one. Another is brand. You think about building a brand, NFTs are just a new way to build a brand. And one, because of the tight connection with community, it's one that is, you know, the word decentralized is thrown out as a buzzword. And essentially what that means is that the community can play a part in helping to shape what that brand looks like, what that IP might look like, whether it's a storyline or it's an emotion, or it's just something that is communicated out just by having association with it. So that's a piece of it. But the third piece, which I think is a lot more practical, is that your NFT serves, yes, it might have a fancy piece of art on it, but it also serves as a membership card into a community. And that membership card gives you access to a community. And that community, depending on the project, we call ours the inner circle, and we're putting a lot of effort and focus into the value somebody can get by being a member of our community. And that is going to be a part of our value prop. Not every project does that, but ours does. And so we call that, you know, you own one of our bulls and you have a membership card into our inner circle. Got you. Okay. So that's really well explained. And some of the benefits to me remind me of a business that might be crowdfunding in that you take the crowd 
on the journey with you you know they become part of your community they're, they're investing in your business essentially when you're trying to raise money for that business but you've either got to have a community there to start with or your marketing is looking to build and drive that community as well where do you think opportunities lie for brands that already have community and particularly you know obviously the more engaged the community the better clearly yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. So to me, it I've likened it to sharing photos before Instagram. Sure, you could have used Snapfish or you could have used Amazon um, to share your photo albums with friends and family. Um, however, this cool platform called Instagram came along and you didn't need to use Instagram to share photos, but man, everybody was there. That's where the attention was. And I feel like NFTs is similar. Mm -hmm. You don't need NFTs to build a community. Um, you, could, you could do it on your own and plenty of, plenty of brands have. But NFTs right now are, are that spot. It's that spot where people are coming together with um, creativity. They're coming together with the idea of collaborating and adding value to something bigger. Um, so I, I would say for, for existing brands, um, you know, look, look, at, look at what's happening in Web3 from a culture perspective and figure out, can you amplify the community that you already have? Mm -hmm. And and you leverage some of the, the special aspects of people coming together and wanting to help each other and wanting to contribute in different ways than maybe they have previously. So I think there's that opportunity for mm -hmm. brands to look at the town square called Discord, the town square called Twitter, and see how they can connect with their existing communities and maybe build new communities within the space. I was going to say, do you think there, through your experience or your, your co-founder's experience, is there a channel that you think is the go-to channel? Is it a Discord or is it one of the others out there? Because I see people still, you know, driving their community to Facebook, for example, or, you know, setting other things up as well. But I see more and more people, we've got a client now just, you know, launched their own coin and use that to set up a channel on Discord, et cetera, to try and build that. But any, any preference with regards to yourself or, or anything that you've seen that would kind of lean you towards one or the other? Well, right now, the vast majority of NFT community building is done through Discord, also Twitter to a certain extent, but okay. everybody's core community is all managed within Discord at the moment. Now, that doesn't mean that Discord is the answer, but that has become the de facto answer for NFT communities. I see that evolving over time. There's a lot of limitations to what you can do in Discord. And I think that as especially communities like what we're trying to build, where we treat it like a membership card. Well, we want to deliver value for that. However, it has to be connected to Web3, the blockchain and validating that you are a member and therefore you have access to you know all of these services or events or experiences. And training education is a big piece of it. So we're going to be delivering courses. We're just about done with our NFT 101 course. We're doing a security course too, because security is a big concern yeah. in, in Web3. So we're going to be offering that to our community. Now, you can't offer that course in Discord. So mm. you're offering in something that's a little more traditional like Kajabi, but Kajabi isn't connected to Web3. So there's definitely room for additional tool sets that are truly Web3 and that are connected to blockchain and have more of the Web3 aspects to it. They're just not there yet. Discord isn't it. Kajabi is more Web2 than Web3. So there's definitely some room as communities start building more and more value for their members. There's definitely room for improvement on a tool set. 
fascinating and you know i come from you know the content creator side of things as well as from the kind of entrepreneur side of things as well interested to know where you think again the opportunities lie for content creators who probably are more familiar with kijabi as well just by the nature of creating content and turning that into courses etc but different content creators be that you know audio video the written word whatever it might be such as podcast where do you think the opportunities lie again do you think it's again you know consolidating that community and looking to offer value to that community as well it's interesting what we're seeing is that a lot of what you would consider standard business practices outside of web3 call it the traditional business world just don't exist within web3 so in some cases it's as simple as just doing it within the web3 space that is making it special right now. So we're one of the first projects that has leveraged very heavily video creation. There's a traditional thought process around being anonymous within Web3, and that's being brought down now because of all the cash grabs and the scams. Mm. But one of the things that set us apart was we've got our faces out there everywhere. We were doing videos on our Twitter. And so we were doing some of the more traditional content creation approach within Web3, and that helped us stand out. The same, the same, I believe, is going to happen with podcasts, for instance, or whether it's blogging and managing a Kajabi site where you have all this rich content in one place. Right now, most NFT projects are just relying on Twitter. And yeah. we know Twitter is it's a point in time. Right? Mm. It's not a collection of information. And so if you want to start bringing value to your community that's very rich in content, you're going to have to start using something like a Kajabi to have your blogs in place, to have your courses in place. And that's where your community will be able to go back and you know consume that content at a later date. Um, Web3 just isn't doing that today. So to me, I think that's where people that are focused on content creation and know content creation networks, I think can have a lot to offer in the Web3 space. Mm, interesting. And having been through the process, going through the process still, what do you think are some of the things to avoid if you are a brand or you are a content creator and you want to enter the NFT space? So I'll use the flip side of that coin because that side of the coin, I said, well, a lot of what works in other places can work yep. in three. The flip yep. side of it is don't assume that it's going to work. Don't mm. assume because it worked in one area that it's automatically going to work in Web3. One of the things that is really, really important in Web3 is authenticity and connection. So it's being an authentic person and it's having a connection into those that have been in Web3 already. There's a group of people that were more original people within Web3 are very protective over it becoming Web2. And so part of it is you want to bring your value that you have to it, like my corporate experience. But the other part of it is I have to be respectful of those that came before me within Web3 and understand why they feel strongly about things like decentralization, about privacy, you know, these things that are really important within the Web3 space. You can't just ignore those. So it's being respectful of what makes Web3 Web3 while also bringing in those business practices. So that's what I would say is it's having that humility that even though you're massive in Web2, you're not massive yet in Web3. So it's making sure that you're approaching it as somebody who's trying to learn and add value to the space. Nice. Okay. And what are some of the biggest benefits for brands and creators if I wanted to create, you know, a super successful NFT for this project or for my podcast agency and some of the clients that we work with? Are there any industries that you think particularly that brands should be particularly looking at? And I'm thinking, you know, maybe the fashion industry, something like that, or other industries that you just think there's just not going to be a fit. It's just not going to work. Yeah, I think there's room. To me, NFTs at some point will be like apps. All industries will have some shape or form within the NFT space 
Okay. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean all companies should. Mm. Um, but one of the things that we learned with Web1 was that there were plenty of big companies that put up a website, but they just threw it up. And yeah. it basically it was a copy and paste of their traditional, you know, advertising and media just in a web form. And they failed. Lots of companies had to redo their website and they had like a 2.0 to their website where they brought web experts in who understood UI and UX and these things, you know, weren't even a thing before. And they brought those skills in-house and had to redo it. The same goes with apps, right? There's plenty of companies that threw apps up just to say that they had an app, but yeah, they didn't exactly. have the right strategy around it. The same yeah. thing's gonna happen with NFTs. And that's why I think it's really important for companies, big brands, successful brands, to learn what makes Web3 Web3, what works, what doesn't work, try things out small so that you could get that learning and then maybe go in a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger. Um, that Web3 strategy has to be integrated and ingrained in what their overall business strategy is. Mm. Yeah, makes sense because the, the amount of conversations that I have as a podcast agency and we're going, you know, should we have a podcast? And again, it's the same answer. Podcast isn't for everybody. It's not to say that you shouldn't necessarily try it, but equally when it comes to content creation, as, as you alluded to earlier, you know, you, you've got video, you've got blogging, you've got podcasts. There's, there's, you know, three different ways you can go and what might be right for one might not be right for the other again as well. So makes sense. So look, interesting conversation. We kind of set, set the stage in. So tell me when it comes to your project with the project you just launched in February, as you said, what are some of the, the USPs that you've had? We kind of alluded to a couple of them in the in the introduction as well, but I'm interested to hear, you know, what differentiates your project and the projects you're going to be building in the future from say 99% of you know what's already out there in the space, Tony. Yeah, I think to start with, we are a pre-funded project. Our mint wasn't intended to be a capital raise like a lot of projects do. So what that gave us the luxury of doing is two things. One, we had a well-defined roadmap that we were executing on before mint, where projects that are looking to raise capital with their mint, they start that process after mint. Mm -hmm. And what we saw there is um, there's a lot of projects, even with good founders, they had some hype going into Mint. And then when you want to build a strategy, it takes a while. It takes a couple yeah. months for you to get that in place. And so then they lost a lot of their momentum because they were spending two months building out a strategy to start executing. And just the cycle is so fast in the NFT space where they lost a lot of their momentum. So we did that up front. We were pre-funded. So we were able to do that up front, which means that we minted May 31st. We minted out about less than three days later about 64 hours later. July 1, 30 days later, we introduced new characters. So we have Teen Bulls, we have God Bulls, and there's tokenomics in place where if you had owned one of our original bulls from May 31st, you're earning tokens just by holding those bulls at 10 tokens a day. And so that allowed you to actually mint for free these additional, these additional characters, depending on you know, how you played our game. So that's one aspect. The other aspect was that because we weren't looking to raise capital, we saw all the cash grabs that were in place and we used a traditional method of risk reversal where we said, okay, built into our smart contract, you have six months from when you minted to ask for a refund. And so that was unprecedented at the time. One project did hundred days. So other projects did refunds, but ours is 180 days, it was six months, okay. which in the NFT space is like a lifetime. Um, mm. And so we put that in place and we said, we believe in what we're building. We believe in the long term of what we're building. And we believe that you're not going to want a refund when you see the value that we were bringing to the table. I and mean, nobody's executed a refund yet. Um, so it's been um, nice. It's been good so far. <laughs> okay, interesting. And 
how long did it take you then before and if you if you come up with a strategy with the funding like you say a lot of people are using that using the nft to actually raise the money for yourselves then did you go out to market to raise money you kind of alluded your two co-founders had done a big sale okay okay so you yeah, already so it's, had it's, that it's self-funded self-funded okay interesting obviously puts you at a big advantage like you say when you're building a roadmap and you're looking at what you want to execute as to what point in the roadmap how long do you see with this particular project do you do you put a uh, a lifespan attached to it before you move on to another project or you just see it no there isn't no okay because i know yeah, you can no, be quite limited no, yeah no lifespan we say owning one of our bulls is a lifetime membership into, into a community called the inner circle our inner circle that's our approach to it. We want a lifetime of value for you. So as long as you hold that that bull, there's no lifespan on it. Okay. And with regards to future plans, what are you able to tell us today in uh, early July as to, to what the Yeah, sure. Is? So the NFT one that I mentioned, and we have um, additional mints that will occur that add value, but it's all based off of our storyline, our lore. So we've got a 15 minute video on our website that talks about how the bulls came into existence. It's supposed right. to tease at how the apes, so we're, we're the bulls and apes project. So it teases how the apes are going to come in. It's a pretty compelling story. So there's a lot of different angles we can go with the storyline beyond just the NFTs. You know, you could see how it could turn into short films or movies. It could turn into a game. One thing that we are in the middle of working on now, we have a working prototype of a physical card game, like a Magic the Gathering style card game. Okay. That's going to be released end of the year in limited edition for our holders. And then next year, we're hoping to go to broader distribution. So that is one aspect. And then the third is on the inner circle, we're about education and growth. And so we are going to be offering up courses, NFT 101, a security course to start with, but then more advanced courses as we go. And the other thing that we're doing is we're tapping into our experience to try to help our community. Mm -hmm. So I'm big into leadership development and we want to offer up some leadership development opportunities for people. Manny has been really big into angel investing. And one of the things that he's done is he's made tremendous amount of connections in the angel investing world. And mm -hmm. so he's going to leverage those connections to bring deal flow. He's already done two deals that he's offered up to our community and that people were able to invest in that they normally wouldn't have been able to have the connection to make that investment. So we're not the middle person. We're just making the connection between the investment firm and our community. And then mm -hmm. they work out the details, but we're offering that up to our community. That's very cool, isn't it? And, and when did you think of like the physical product side of things as well? Was that very early on something that you wanted to look at as well? Productize, yeah. Yeah, it was very important to us that as a business that we're not solely reliant on NFT revenue or revenue of the company. So we want to build in multiple revenue streams and going into the physical world was important to us. Very cool. And look, appreciate your time. Last question would be, you know, where do you see the future for NFTs, as we've alluded to earlier, it's been a wild ride economically, and that might not be a bad thing with regards to the NFT space, as we're saying, kind of sorting the you know the wheat for the chaff and those who are looking to make those kind of cash grabs to, to kick things off for their own business. But where do you see the NFT space going? We've still got half of 2022 to go. Interested to know your thoughts, Tony. I think there's two pieces. I think community and being able to grow and build a community that is very engaged, highly engaged, and highly loyal. 
I think that's something that companies are going to realize that and at the NFT space just happens to be that space where something special is happening. I think that's going to be a big one and bringing real value to those communities beyond just NFTs. I think is something that's going to be going to be explored more and more. And then the other aspect is gaming. I think that's going to take longer, but I look at, I've got three daughters and they spend a lot of time on Roblox and building their worlds. And, you know, it, yeah. it just screams metaverse to me. It screams yeah. metaverse and screams NFTs. So mm -hmm. I'd imagine that there's going to be some growth in that area also. Yeah. You got one more than me. I got two daughters, so I can relate okay. to the Roblox thing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But I, I think you're right. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see which brands kind of lean to this. I've got a friend who's already speaking to, you know, some really, you know, high fashion brands as to what they can do NFTs and in the in the metaverse as well. And also from a content creation point of view, you know, who decides to lean into it as well, because I think it's very fascinating. My friend of mine who I've been co-hosting on Clubhouse with for about a year and a half now, she just launched a tennis NFT as well with some really kind of big name celebrities who kind of bring in their community behind it. And I guess from that point of view as well, if you're able to tap into different communities as well and bring them in and bring that education piece that you mentioned before as well, then you're going to achieve your goals far quicker than trying to go at it alone as well and focus focus like, you don't have to be everything to everyone but yeah just, i think that's you're going to see a lot of very focused and loyal communities for people that do it right mm. fascinating so i'll be following your journey for sure tony so thank you very much indeed for, for spending the time with us today tony mongiela thank you very much indeed thanks alex appreciate the time If you found value in this free podcast, all I ask is that you tell somebody else about it. You don't have to leave a review or write a post on social tagging me in the screw it, just do it hashtag. But if you do, I promise to give you a shout out on a future episode and you have my eternal thanks. I'm at Alex Chisnell on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook, plus at Alexander Chisnell on Instagram. Alongside the Screw It, Just Do It Facebook page, this houses the Screw It, Just Do It community and has the most up-to-date information on all things Screw It, Just Do It, including all of our live events. I love hearing from you. If you either message me on LinkedIn or email alex at screwitjustdoit.org, I promise to reply. Just give me a little time.